عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد وبارك وسلم so alhamdulillah we are we welcome the out of state students who joined us for the deen intensive and other guests alhamdulillah we are in the middle of this hadith i want to kind of quickly um, finish it and jump a bit faster than normal to conclude it as uh, we will be traveling and there will be um, a break in the in the weekly class for couple of weeks until inshallah the end of end of july inshallah unfortunately unless uh, we find someone to substitute and continue the class so we cannot leave this hadith in the middle we want to conclude it before the break the summer recess so uh, that is why i would uh, instead of just doing one word over the whole hour as those who have been in the past have seen we will try to uh, do more than that and then we have new students so i might have to review the hadith from the beginning um, so it will be inshallah trying to cover more breadth rather than depth today bismillah rahman rahim so to bring everyone up to speed where we are we are speaking about uh, in sahih bukhari uh, the chapter on revelation this is known as if you go back kitabu badl wahi the chapter of how revelation began so i see our new students this is what we're talking about. How did the revelation begun, begin, uh, begin upon Rasulullah sallallahu And this is the foundation of our deen, revelation. If we believe in revelation, then everything else comes after that. It is the ultimate source of knowledge. The ultimate source of knowledge. It is a criterion, the Furqan, between truth and falsehood. And all of the problems that are, that are there in society is because of not believing in revelation. And when we believe in revelation, it automatically includes that we believe in the muhi, the one who is sending the revelation, uh, who is the source of revelation, Allah, and the one who is bringing the revelation, the angels, malaika, in particular Jibreel, upon whom the revelation is descending, Muhammad sallallahu what the revelation itself is, the Quran and the books. So, amantu billahi wa malaikati kutubihi wa rasulihi. They are already covered by believing in revelation. So aqidah about Allah is through revelation, aqidah of Rasulullah is through wahi, aqidah of akhirah is through wahi, aqidah in believing in the ahkam is through wahi. So that is why uh, emphasis on wahi to begin with. And that is what sets a Nabi apart, is he is the one who receives wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why when we discuss with a non-Muslim and invite them towards Islam, a very good starting point is the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and speak about the importance of wahi and how he was able to uh, have such a depth of knowledge about accurate incidents of the far distant past and prophecies of the future and it was impossible for him to have this knowledge without divine revelation. If you believe in Muhammad وسلم, to be a great man, a wise man, an intelligent person, benefactor of humanity, lovely person, but we do not believe in revelation, then we have not believed in, in, in Islam. The only way we can truly become submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be a true Muslim is if we believe the fact that he will receive revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this hadith, what happened? Uh, so this was the first hadith, we finished it. And now we are on this one about Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She says that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
أول أنها قالت أن أول ما بدي به رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من الوحي الرؤيا الصالحة في النوم. The Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم the wahi began for him he used to have righteous dreams. Uh, and these were dreams that he would see at night. فكان لا يرى رؤيا إلا جاءت مثل فلق الصبح. Whatever he saw at night the next day would come into existence. It would come true. It would be proven true just like the break of the dawn. So. And then, then he started preferring to be in solitude. So this was the time when Nabi was in solitude to prepare for the revelation that was to descend upon him. He would stay in the cave of Hira. And we talked about all of these things in detail, like a whole hour session per word here. Why was he? in Ghari Hira as that was the place that his grandfather used to worship and the previous um, uh, subhanallah the ibadah of the forefathers that they were following the deen of Ismail etc and it was close to the Kaaba so he could see the Kaaba from there but not and it was still uh, isolated place and he would be doing the ibadah there this is an explanation of Imam uh, Shabuddin Zuhri, he's explaining Faytahannathu. We have some senior students here. Hanthun is actually what? Sin. Hanthun is a sin. Faytahannathu is a, it's a tahannath from tafa'ul. It means, you would, you would imagine what? It, to commit a sin. So this particular bab has a khasi of what? Salbul ma'khaz. So it means not to commit a sin. Even though Hanthun, Hanthun what is Hanth? It's a sin. But Faytahannathu means he was not committing a sin. That's why it's a strange word. In Imam Zuhri, you see this? ta'abudu. And it is ta'abud. So this is called an idraj. What's an idraj? Additional explanation in the matan. By a later ravi. Not part of the original hadith. Al-layali in the nights. Dawat al-adad. A few nights. Qabla an Before he returned back to his home. Meaning, he didn't just completely abandon his wife and kids and never go back. He had... He had kids. He had at home uh, Zainab uh, was a baby, was younger, older girl. Then he had Ruqiya, Umm Kulthum, and Fatima. These were all born at this time. So he had those kids. He didn't abandon the kids, nor did he abandon his wife. How many wives he had? He only had one wife. At the age of 40, uh, at the age of 25, he married a woman who was 40 years old and had previously been married twice. And her name was Khadija radiallahu anha. And he never had a second wife the entire time he was married to her. And after she passed, he had other wives. And uh, he was definitely not out to fulfill his lust as the na'udhu billah enemies of Islam want to portray him. Na'udhu billah min dhalik. Rather, in his entire youth, when he was a young man, he was chaste. And he did not fall into any sin when that was the norm around him. And... Um, when he was given the opportunity to, to uh, be given as many number of girls who were the most beautiful of Makkah, if he would give up his da'wah, or to be given as much wealth as he want, or to be crowned as the king of Makkah. These three offers were made. He said that, you know, he was told by the chieftains of Makkah, we will give you whatever girl you want to marry, we will give you the crown of Makkah, and we will give, make you the richest man in Makkah, just give up the da'wah. So what did he say? That if you bring the sun, Shams min, 
If you bring the sun from the sky, put it in my right hand, and bring the moon, you put it in my left hand, I will not give up the da'wah. So he was not a womanizer, na'udhu billahi min dhalika. But that's one side. The other side is he wasn't, uh, you know, um, taking vows of celibacy and not being married at all, which is the bid'ah of the Christians. That is why we've... The, the scholars explain that here. When he had the desire to go visit his wife, he would go back. And he would prepare. So adopting provisions is not contrary to tawakkul. He would get the provisions, go back to the cave until the time for the truth to be revealed came. The Quran came to him. The angel Jibra'il came to him. The angel came, فَقَالَ إِقْرَأْ And the angel said, read. So this was how it began. The angel said, read. One, one interpretation of this iqra is just like this is... The question is, if you cannot read, is there something, first of all, to read? Was there something maktub, something written that was given that read it? So the stronger opinion is there, is, there wasn't something physical for him to read. So, so this iqra is is the way a teacher when he's talking to his student he says that okay let's read now but he he's not asking him specifically uh, to be able to read that which he because he's not there's there was nothing let's study let's begin studying this is called amr talqeen this is the type of command that was given by jibreel okay let's let's get ready to read that is one interpretation of this and the other interpretation of this word iqra is that he just wanted him to repeat what he is saying. Because that is the, one is the command to read, one is that it's just the first words of the ayat that he had to repeat. For example, if the Quran began with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, it could have been Alhamdu. So let's not focus on the fact that he's ordering him to read. It's not the meaning that is the objective at this point, it's the word. So imagine if he was teaching him Surah Fatiha, he would have said Alhamdu. Right? Like that. Simple as that. If you said, Alhamdu, like if you are teaching a new Muslim a Surah Al-Fatiha, okay, you are, mashallah, accept Islam. Let's start with Surah Al-Fatiha. You have to recite this in every rakah of your prayer. So you'll say, Alhamdu, like that. Doesn't mean all praise. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil You're not just telling him, oh, all praise belongs to Allah, Lord of the worlds. At this point, what are you focusing on? The word. Yeah, the word itself. فَقَالَ إِقْرَأْ But Rasulullah said, مَا أَنَا I cannot read now. This is beyond my capacity to repeat this. He was shocked. He was very shocked because he was in his own, he was in his deep ibadah, he was in his meditation, he was in contemplation, and all of a sudden this angel comes out of nowhere, he was not expecting it, and starts commanding him to repeat after him or to read. So he said, Ma'ana biqari. So he says, He grabbed me and he squeezed me very hard. Until it caused me pain. So, this was how Jibreel by squeezing him, there are about like, in these books, in, there are more than like 30 different explanations, like 30, 35 explanations of why this happened. And if you go all, through all of them, um, but I'm the bottom line of all of them is that everyone has different opinion about the purpose. The purpose, it, it, it comes down to 
the um, Allah knows best. One of the interpretations is that he was recharging his heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given Jibreel alayhi salam a special nur and from that nur he was reviving the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam through this strong embrace and this strong hug that he gave him. And then he released him and he said اقرأ, read the same thing happened second time I cannot then he grabbed me and he uh, did it the second time third time then he said read in the name of the Lord who created created human beings uh, from a clot read in your Lord is the most noble so this is these ayats were revealed then he returned back and his heart was shaking because it was a very frightful experience. Now why was he frightened? He was frightened because he was given this huge wahi, this revelation. How will, I be, how will I be able to fulfill this responsibility? He came to his wife Khadija bint anha, and he said, Zambiluni, Zambiluni that wrap me up, wrap me up. This is how he got the title of Ya Yuhal Muzzammil. So she, because he was uh, shaken up by this experience, so they wrapped him up until his fear went away. So Khadija radiallahu anha, when she saw that his fright, she consoled him. And she said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never uh, disgrace you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always protect you and preserve you. So she, she made istidlal, she used the dalil aqli. And her, her dalail that she presented, her evidences that she presented for the conclusion she had were, إِنَّكَ لَتَسِلُوا rahim." Look, you are such a noble person. If you are so noble and you do so many good deeds, then Allah, why would He abandon you? Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cause you pain? Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow anyone to hurt you? Look, rahim. You are the one who uh, are good with relatives and you fulfill their rights. And you tahmilul kal or taksibul ma'adum. You help the poor and needy the destitutes and the, the ma'doom is the one who doesn't have anything he's completely destitute you take care of the, of the, of the guests you're hospitable and those who are afflicted by calamities you come to their aid so the person who is helping others will be helped by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Rasulullah said, Allah That as long as a person is helping others, then they will be helped by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in our deen, if you look at it, we, you know, we never have to actually be selfless. You never have to make any sacrifice. It's just a matter of perspective. You can be selfish all the time. It may sound counterintuitive. What? Be selfish all the time. Because at the end of the day, even if you are remaining hungry and starving and feeding someone, then that could be like the example of the ultimate selfless act. 
But it isn't because you are getting the reward. The reward you're getting for that action is far greater than the food that you're giving the person. So at the end of the day, who's in benefit? You're in benefit. You're always in benefit if you have the correct intention. So when you're helping someone, you think you're helping them, but in reality, who you're helping? You're helping your own self. You're helping your own akhirah. You're helping yourself in this dunya, you're helping yourself in the akhirah. Every time you do any good deed, with, with any level of sacrifice, you are the first recipient and the greatest recipient of the reward of that, more than anyone else. So as long as you are helping others, you are going to be helped by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not doing anyone a favor. You're only doing a favor for yourself. So this is, this is how, what she told him. Now Khadija took Rasulullah to Waraqa ibn Nawfil bin Asad bin Abdul Uzzab ibn Ammi Khadija, her cousin. And this man, he had knowledge of the previous scriptures. He was a man who had accepted Christianity in the Jahili times. So he knew about Isa salam, he knew about Jibreel and he used to write the Hebrew language. فَيَكْتُبُ مِنَ الْإِنْجِيلِ بِالْعِمْرَانِيَةِ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ يَكْتُبَ He used to write from the uh, previous scriptures in the Hebrew language what, whatever was possible for him, whatever Allah had decreed for him to write. وَكَانَ شَيْخًا كَبِيرًا قَدْ And he was an old man who had become blind. فَقَالَتْ لَهُ خَدِيجَةُ يَا أَبْنَ عَمْ So Khadija رضي الله عنه said to him, O oh, my nephew, O oh, oh, my cousin, Isma min ibn Akhik, listen to your nephew, what he has to say. So Rasulullah repeated the incidents that happened. Waraqa said to him, Yabna Akhi, O my nephew, Mada Tara. What what have you seen? Fakhbar Rasulullah told him exactly what he saw. Fakalahu Warakatu Waraka he recognized it. He said, Hazan Namus Aladi Nazalallahu ala Musa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, this is the same angel that Allah Ta'ala brought upon Musa alayhi salam. So he recognized, this is a continuity of the same message. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam is the khatam al-nabiyyin, the seal of the prophets. Musa alayhi salam, we believe in him. Isa alayhi salam, we believe in him. And we believe in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Those who believe in that which has been revealed unto you, and that which has been revealed prior to you. There's no And that which will be revealed after you. Because there's no revelation after Rasulullah. And they believe in the hereafter. They are in the guidance from the Lord. They are the successful ones. And more clear, Allah Ta'ala says, um, Say, We believe in Allah. And that which has been revealed upon us, the Quran. And that which has been revealed on Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, and Yaqub alayhim salam. Uma utiya Musa wa Isa. And the book that was given to Musa and Isa. The Torah and the uh, Injil. We believe in that. 
And that which has been given to all the prophets from the Lord, we believe in all of the previous heavenly scriptures. We do not distinguish between them by believing in some and disbelieving in others. We submit to all of the above. So that's why the, what we find in the previous scriptures, how do we treat that? Ibn Kathir in the Muqaddama of his book, Tafsir Ibn Kathir, he speaks about the need for writing his book and why he, as a muhaddith, he wrote his tafsir. Because many of the other mufassirun, when they're writing their tafsir books, they started polluting it with a lot of Israeliyat. Israeliyat are books, are narrations that came from the Israeli traditions. From the Yehud and Nasara and their, and their commentaries on the Talmud and the Torah. And they added a lot of things from their own side. So there are a lot of details that have nothing to do with our deen. And those came into tafsir. So Imam Ibn Kathir was primarily a muhaddith and a very strong muhaddith. And he would be able to sift through those narrations. Which ones are accurate and which ones are fabricated. So that's the major role of his tafsir. In bringing authentic ahadith to uh, um, describe, uh, to explain the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says that with regards to the previous scriptures, those narrations that come Israeliyat, there are three categories. That which is confirmed by the Quran, so we believe in that. And that which is rejected by the Quran, we disbelieve in that. And that which is neither confirmed by the Quran nor uh, rejected by the Quran, then we abstain from passing any judgment. Because the, the point is, the Torah and Zabur that we have today in the Injil, some portions of it are the original revealed word of Allah, and some portions of it are added by later people. We know both of those parts exist. Because there is some portion that is the original revelation, and there is a, definitely a portion which has been added later on. Because Allah Ta'ala said so in the Quran. They write with their own hands the sentences they come up with, topics, ahkam, injunctions, commands. Then they say, oh, this is the revealed word of Allah. Just to gain worldly profit, benefit. So these were the scholars of the Jews and the Christians. They destroy the book of Allah. So when we see something that matches in the Quran, we'll say, okay, this is the original one. We believe in it. And if something is reject, if something is clearly against the Quran, then what will we do? Reject it. And that which is so the Quran is silent about, we will neither accept nor reject. Why don't we reject it? Because it could be revealed word of Allah. And why don't we accept it 100%? Because it could be something that has been added later on. We don't know. Not knowing that is known as tawaqqaf. Tawaqqaf means we stop and abstain from passing any judgment. Like God created the heavens and earth in six days. It's in the Bible, right? First page, Genesis, book of Genesis, Old Testament. God created the earth, heavens and earth in six days. Khalaqat samawati wal fi. So we believe in that part. Then it says, and he rested on the Sabbath. Then we say, Neither sleep nor slumber overtakes Allah. So we reject that part. Then, uh, neither sleep nor slumber. Is that correct? Okay. Then we have, uh, subhanAllah, us, we sleep and slumber in the class and all the time. In this retreat, so one student was working so hard, I told him, you know, you need to, Take some sleep. He said, Mustafa, you only sleep in the class. <laughs> I said, I said, Subhana man la ta'ahuduhu sinatun. Anyway, so don't get me started. <laughs> so um, 
he's, I think he said something to the effect. He said, maybe I think he said the best sleep is the one in the class. Probably that's what he said. Fi riwaya ukhra. And uh, and then the 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 third th third thing is like all these different incidents of random kings, all these details of kings. We don't know. Uh, the Quran doesn't give us those details, so we don't accept it nor do we deny it. We say Allah Allah. It could be the revealed word of Allah. It could not. It could possibly it isn't. Allah Okay. So then here anyway, this is the same angel who came. He's never going to come again with wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we covered the example of Umm Ma'bad is different. Umm There is Umm Ayman. Remember the story? Anyone remember we covered the story of Umm Ayman in Jibreel alayhi salam? To prove to me why I can skip it, you can remember. Okay, So you can tell everyone after the end of the session. So this is Rasulullah you know, he said Those who are present at the end of Hajjatul Wada' for when there were 124,000 Sahaba and he asked them Have I conveyed the message? And they said yes Then he said Those who are present here can convey the message to those who are not present Umm Ayman radiallahu anha has a unique honor that she did khidma of Rasulullah how many years? Do you remember? 63 years. She served Nabi sallallahu alayhi how many years? His whole life, yes. Because she was a slave girl of Khadija radiallahu anha. Not Khadija, Amina alayhi salam. As a young slave girl, she was a slave girl of Amina when he was born all the way. When his mother died in Abwa, who took him? Umayman, right. Okay, so there's a story of Umayman regarding this wahi. Um, so, فَقَالَ وَرَقَتُهُ هَذَا النَّامُوسَ الَّذِي نَزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَى مُسَى صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَلَمْ يَا لَيْتَنِي فِيهَا جَثَعَ Oh, I wish I would be there. But I will, um, I wish I could be there, I wish I could be strong, I wish I could be able to support you. When your people will expel you from Makkah, I wish I could be there. So Rasulullah said, Are they really going to expel me? The people of Makkah are going to expel me when he was so beloved to them? He said, Yes. A time will come. Any man in the past who came with something similar to that which you're coming with, he was tortured by his people and he had to face opposition. So this is what happens. When you speak the haq, when you speak the truth, when you invite towards Islam, you invite towards Allah, uh, then you will face opposition. And if I would be alive that day, I will help you and I will, I will support you. Then, shortly afterward, Waraka, he passed away, and there was a pause in the Wahi for some time before it continued. So, Alhamdulillah, uh, this is the conclusion of the, this hadith, so that when we can start next time, 
we can start with the beginning uh, of uh, the uh, of the Ajab ibn Abdullah Ansari radiallahu anhu's hadith. So now that we are uh, concluded the basic tarjuma of it, if there's any particular aspects that anyone has any questions or want to talk about in further detail regarding this topic of wahi or this topic of Sallallahu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, any following, uh, any follow-up questions regarding this for anyone? Yeah, you want me going? So you want me to go through the thirty opinions? I can. <laughs> I, I I can. Ji, bolie. Ji. Right. Right. So there is there uh, there there is um, there's two types of ilm. One is known as the ilm. I mean, there are multiple. When we say, for example, there's two types of ilm. Someplace else, you'll see there's three types of ilm. There's five types of ilm. It depends on which perspective, right? So these are there. Each one is known as a different taqsim. And there is a particular element you're looking at, aspect you're looking at whenever you do a division. So if you see like the student body here, there, there are um, two types. And someone says, no, the student body here, there are three types. Someone says the student body here is five types. All of them could be correct because what are, they, what are you looking at? Somebody will say there are two types because they're either male or female. Someone will say there's uh, five types because they're either a Tanweer student, one year, or Tahfiz, Hib student or Tadris, high school student, or Takmil, uh, seven-year student, or some are Tamheed student. So there are five types of students. And somebody will say that, you know, there's uh, um, like four types of students. There are those who are getting A, A grade, there are those who are getting B, those who are getting C, those who are getting F. So, this is something that is worth noting because when I say ilm is of two types, I'm already thinking of so many other divisions come to mind when there are ilm has been divided in different ways. And you'll see, oh, ilm is four types, ilm is six types, ilm is 21 types. So there, but you're you're looking at it from different perspectives. Is that clear? So over here, from the perspective of uh, how the ilm is acquired, there, there are two. One is that the ilm from the books, the ilm. From the, uh, from, of the, uh, from the normal means, and the second is the ilm that comes directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is known as the ilm ladunni. So like we find right in these ayat, اِقْرَأْ بِسْنِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَى خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقِ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمَ الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمِ That is the ilm of the books. عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمِ He taught with the pen. So what, what do you do with the pen? You write with the pen. Uh, and so the the writing and reading the books that is alladhi allama bil qalam then you have the allama al insana ma lam ya'lam that's the second type of knowledge that's ilm al he taught man that which he knew not it comes directly from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspiration and the anbiya through wahi and the awliya through ilham 
and that is continuing. That the ilham will continue. Inspiration from Allah Ta'ala will continue until ilah yawm al-qiyam. Ilham is not limited to anbiya. Wahi is limited to anbiya. Ilham by definition is for the awliya till the day of qiyamah. And Allah Ta'ala says, وَآتِيْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا With respect to Khidr alayhi salam. There's a, as the narration comes, مَنْ عَلِيمًا مَنْ عَمِيلًا بِمَا عَلِيمًا رَزَقَهُ اللَّهُ عِلْمًا مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ Whoever has makes with practices and makes amal with sincerity on the knowledge that he has been given. So he, he gains the knowledge of the books and then he practices upon it with sincerity. Then رَزَقَهُ اللَّهُ Allah will directly and divinely inspire him with the knowledge of that which he knew not. Man amila bima alima. Whoever makes amal on the ilm that he acquired. Razakallahu ilma ma lam ya'lam. Allah will grant him the ilm of that which he did not know. So there is um, there is a, a, a nisbat that transfers. Right? And, and when that nisbat transfers, it, it transfers through many different means. And there is examples of physical tasarruf that is done. Meaning physically, uh, either by squeezing or by even, um, as we see in multiple hadith, Rasulullah would use his hand. And these are miracles of Rasulullah and he would strike the chest. So we have the example of the young man. The young man who came to Nabi and said, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission to commit zina. The Sahaba were ready to attack him and say, how dare you say such a... Uh, disrespectful thing in the presence of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said come closer when he, brought, when he came closer Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him Na'udhu Billah if somebody committed this act with your daughter, sister, mother, wife how would you feel? Likewise the person you are intending to commit it with may be the daughter, sister, mother, wife of someone else and then he thought about it and said yeah that is something very wrong it made sense to him Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam explained to him then he took his hand and he hit his chest after he hit his chest he said that his heart became so purified and he said that he, he was known all, the desire for this sin and all other sins that lead up to that sin. Because the, uh, there's a zin al-ayn, uh, the, the zin of the eyes to see, the zin of the ears to hear, the zin of the mind to imagine. All of those who he, were clean. His eyes became the most pure, his ears became the most pure, his mind and heart became the most pure. And then his his, his privates became the most pure and he said no thought of that sin ever remained in my heart so there is a link between the purification that happened and the physical striking of his chest you see so that is known as tasarruf and um, so there are examples of this where there is a physical exchange occurring and it has a spiritual effect there is a cause and effect relationship established here so uh, that, that is what was hap happening And that is what happened with Mani Ali and Mani Ali as well. So one, one potential reason why he was squeezed is so that all of the different worldly things that his heart is attached to was removed from his heart. And then, subhanAllah, his heart was being elevated to be able to receive the wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, another is that we, oh, 
you know, it was an evidence of the fact that this is a real incident happening when he was feeling the pain. This is not something which is imaginary. This is a real angel in front of you that is recharging your heart. Subhanallah. So any other question regarding this? Inshallah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of this. Uh, Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, you see it here. Yeah, so, yeah, this, um, many times since Waraka was uh, reading the previous scriptures, we have the the Anbiya um, in this case in the angels, in many different concepts which are common between our understanding and the previous scriptures, they in different times were given different words, so they're interchangeable. So over here, yeah, he did use the word Namus. And he's the, Jibreel uh, has many names, even in the Quran. One is Ruh Al-Qudus, one is, uh, Amin, the trustworthy angel, Ruh al-Amin, Ruh al-Qudus, Ruh al-Amin, Sayyid al-Malaika, so Namus, just like um, different surahs have different names, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had different titles, Muzammil, Mudathir, Nabi, Rasul, you know, Al-Hashir, so and so, so many different names of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are there. So, Jibreel Islam has multiple names as well. Malakul Maut, Israel, right? Different names the angels have. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it, um, I was talking about ibadah in the only mujawara versus itikaf. That discussion. Yeah. Uh -huh. To do ibadah. Yeah, taabud, taabud. This one, taabud is worshiping only. Tahannath, it means to taabud, but. Uh, the interesting thing about the word, verb tahannus is that hinthun itself means to commit sin, but in the, f see, there's this, there's a whole concept in the Arabic, there's different patterns, right? So like you take nasrun means to help. If you put it in a different pattern, it comes up with a different meaning. Like nasir, the one who is helping, mansur, the one who is helped, istansara, um, to seek help, and so over here, tahannus, it, it actually the, is to not sin, which means to worship Allah by, by not sinning, by abstaining from sin. Yeah. 
Right, subhanAllah. Yes. SubhanAllah, very good point. Kalla abada. So uh, Khadija radiallahu anha is so confident about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi She's saying that Allah will not disgrace you because you are a good man. You are doing so good. So this is a consolation for us as well. And this was the um, big, greatest attribute of Khadija radiallahu anha. Do you recall the hadith I, I always mention about Khairun Nisail Alamina? Rabaun, the best women of all time are? Four. And why, why did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi mention four women? To identify for us four different traits. Four women represent four traits. I say this many times. Can, we, can anyone remember? What are the four women and what are the four traits? Asiya, Khadija, Maryam, Fatima. And Aisha is not there in this one. Not in this particular one. So two from the previous nations, two from this nation. And all four represent four traits. So Asiya alayhi salam, she represents istiqama despite huge, huge challenges. And I mean, husband being Firon, starting from there onwards, a lot of challenges. And then uh, number two is uh, Maryam alayhi salam, she represents ch chastity, virtue, purity, right, modesty, haya. And in this ummah, Khadija radiallahu represents the khidmah of the husband, service for the deen of her wealth and her, all her assets. She, as she was a rich woman who gave everything for the sake of Allah. And Fatima radiallahu she represents Zuhud. And she was a very zahida, ascetic, sacrificed physically at home. A lot of mujahada she went through. Aisha radiallahu is the fifth one, of the, which represents ilm and knowledge of deen, as she was a great. Alima and one third of the knowledge is narrated through her. So right here is an example of Khadija radiallahu anha consoling Rasulullah Right here we see that. And, and this is just the beginning. She continued to support him all the way till the 10th year of Nabuwa when she passed away. The Amul Huzn, the year of grief. So she was a pillar of support for Rasulullah That is why Rasulullah loved her so much. And Aisha radiallahu anha came many years later, never even met her. She said, I was more jealous of her because Nabi Sallallahu loved her memory so much even though she was such an old woman who passed away so many years ago. And Nabi Sallallahu would honor her sisters. He would even honor her friends. And he would get up and rush and put his cloak for them to sit on if they ever came out of honor for his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his salam upon her. Jibreel came and said that Allah is sending his salam to Khadija even though she was still on the earth. SubhanAllah. Yeah, the first person to accept Islam, not the first woman. First person. Just like Sumayyah is the first shaheed person, not first woman only. So the first person is going to be a first woman. Uh, I mean, if, if you say first person by default is first woman, more than first woman means before, any, before the male as well. So the first ummati is Khadija radiallahu And the first shaheed is Sumayyah radiallahu anha. Yes. Thareed, yeah, inna fadl Aisha ala sa'idin nisaak, fadl al-thareedi ala sa'id al-ta'am. Verily the superiority of Aisha over all other women is like the superiority of the thareed food over all other food. 
So the Tharith food was considered a very, very special uh, exotic dish that they would have um, bread that was made and then different type of meat stew and then they would soak the bread in the stew. So that was as complicated as the diet was back then. It wasn't too complicated, but that was the best food. At the Walima, they would say, oh, it's Sarid. So baked bread that was soaked in a, a meat stew is Sarid. So Rasulullah said, just like Sarid is the best of all the foods, likewise is Aisha is the best of the, all the women. From, her, from the perspective of ilm she was. From the perspective of chastity, and Fatima. So each one of these women represent those respective attributes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring them amongst us and our women as well. So as you can see, I was going to make it a short session today as I had to proceed. If there are any other questions, I can I have I can I have another ten minutes before I have to go. And yes. G? G. Yeah, okay, so um, that's an interesting question. He's asking about this explanation. How, how do you know this is later? It's because from the Arabic perspective, we know in the hadith when uh, Aisha Radhan is speaking, uh, she's just going on and she's saying, and this is, uh, from a gra grammar perspective, the way the sentence is structured, this is an interjection. You can tell that somebody is saying, that is. So, um, this, this, wahuwa uh, ta'abud, is like an interjection in the, in, the, in the middle of the sentence. Because if you're naturally speaking, you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't say it this way. And so, then uh, they are, for example, this hadith would come, if it doesn't come through the Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri's chain, it goes, But the Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri, his chain, he has this additional explanation. And we know that he's been doing this. He's a consistent pattern he has. When difficult words come, then in the middle, he'll add the introduction and he explains the term. So, so that's how the pattern is picked up. So if you go, for example, you see this hadith, you see an Aisha Radana, and she, uh, Arwa ibn Zubair, who's Arwa ibn Zubair, her nephew. And instead of Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri, if you have another chain, from here it separates, going back up before Arwa ibn, uh, after Arwa ibn Zubair. You don't take the Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri line. You take another line, you won't have the explanation. Only Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri line, you have this additional word. You understand my point? Then you know who added it. Where's the breaking point? Oh, it's from here, when Ibn Shahabuddin line, this word is there, the other line, the word is not there. And he's always doing the same thing in different hadiths too. So then we know he, that's what he does. Yes. No. That's why we talked about going to Ghari Hira is not a sunnah, nor is it a bid'ah. It's just permissible. If you go there for a historical perspective, like, wow, this is where it happened, and you don't have any additional belief that it is a part of your umrah, or you're going to get extra thawab for it, or it's equivalent to such and such action. It's like doing sa'i, it's like doing tawaf. I'm going to get this thawab, then it will become a bid'ah. And if you just go because I want to see it and experience it and imagine, 
and have more yaqeen about the revelation that happened here, then that is permissible. Remember we talked about this? Jay? You do all right. Anything, Jay? Yeah, so, so I, I saw that. I didn't make a point about going over that. Uh, so there, there's two words, salat and salam. Ya amnu sallu alayhi, sallimu taslima. The question is about Musa. It says sallallahu alayhi I believe if we go through the actual matan, it wouldn't be there. It should be alayhi salam only. Normally I don't like to make big claims and say it's a typo, but I, leave, but I believe so. This is a typo here. I can check in the actual matan. It shouldn't be there. Why? It's because basically the rule is that with respect to Anbiya salam, other than Muhammad wasallam, we say alayhi salam, only the word salam, not salat. So we'll say Musa alayhi salam. I just said Anbiya alayhi salam. So Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam. We don't say alayhi salatu salam. Salat and Salam, both. This is for whom? Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The same Salat wa Salam is one form of it, Jumla Ismiya, and the Jumla Fairliya, the verbal form or the uh, nominal form. There's two forms. You can say Alihi Salatu wa Salam or you can say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sallallahu Alaihi Sallallahu, that's your Salat. Wasallam, that's your Salam. So you can say it in a, in a, with a noun, a sentence which begins with a noun or a sentence which begins with a verb. There's two ways of saying it. The noun form and the verb form. The verb form is sallallahu alayhi sallam. The noun form is alayhi salatu salam. Just like you say somebody passed away, you say uh, rahmatullah alayhi and ya rahmahullah, rahimahullah. Or you'll say ridwanullah alayhi majma'in or radiyallahu anhu majma'in. Rahmatullah alayhi or rahimahullah. So, for, so there are different categories. Now the top category is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He has salat and salam both. Then you have anbiya. For the anbiya as well as who else? Malaika as well as um, the pious women of the past. Hajar alayhi salam, Sarah alayhi salam, Asi alayhi salam. You can say that. Amina alayhi salam. They say that. Then after that you have sahaba. For them is the term? Radiallah. Now it depends. If it's one Sahabi, radiallahu anhu. If it's two Sahaba, radiallahu anhu, ma. And three, three Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. One female, radiallahu anha. Two females, radiallahu anhuma. Many females, radiallahu anhunna. Yes, uh, yeah, Musa. Yeah, I mean, it should be alayhi salam. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and um, sometimes... It's one individual, but his name includes two names. So there'll be alayhima. And sometimes the other name won't even be mentioned. Like you'll say Ibn Abbas. You didn't even, you said Ibn Abbas, son of Abbas. You didn't even say Abdullah Ibn Abbas. So how many names did you take? You just took one name. But it's actually two names. Referring to what? One individual. So who, if you say, you're referring just to the Sahabi Abdullah Ibn Abbas, right? So sometimes they say, Ja'a Abdullah bin Abbas. Abdullah, the son of Abbas, came. So you'll say, Radiallahu anhuma. Even though you're referring to one individual. And when you say Abdullah ibn Abbas, you took two names. Sometimes you just say ibn Abbas, you'll still say anhuma. Because you're referring to two people. One is explicit, one is implicit. Ji? 
Subhanallah. Yeah. And Any other question? Radiallahu anhu for one male, radiallahu anha for one female, radiallahu anhuma for two males or two females, radiallahu anhum for multiple males, radiallahu anhunna for multiple females. Like you say, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had four daughters, Zainab, Ruqiya, Ummikulthum, Fatima, radiallahu anhunna. It's same. For dual, it's the same. Masculine or feminine, it's the same. Anhuma. Yes. Yes. Oh, very good. Yeah. So this word Allah, Subhanallah, is you're saying Wallahi la She swore by Allah. So the word Allah was used by the Arab, even in Jahiliyyah. They never use the word Rahman. Allah Ta'ala says, when, it, when, when, they say, when Allah said, mix us with Rahman, they said, well, Mar Rahman, who's Rahman? We don't know Rahman, we only know Allah. Rahman, uh, khabira. You don't know who is Rahman? Ask the one who knows. Muhammad, he knows, sallallahu who Rahman is. And they used to write, Bismikallahumma, in the beginning of the document. Like in the whole argument that happened in Hudaybiyah, in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, uh, Ali radiallahu anhu was writing, he wrote, Bismillah rahman rahim They say, scratch this. What's this Rahman Rahim? We don't know who Rahman Rahim is. Right? Bismikallahumma. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so Allah, and you know, uh, like, I don't, uh, may Allah protect us, but I haven't seen this in a, a while, but, because now it's all atheism. But in the past, when the Christians were missionaries, there's still Christian missionaries out there, still creating havoc and destruction. Uh, but the evangelicals, they would come with different ca- ca- cartoons, uh, comics. This is back in the 80s, I remember to the different homes and would give these comics books. In the comic books they would show, they, they would say that um, basically, they were attacking the word Allah. And they were saying, Allah, this is actually Allah, this is a pagan god. And there's a pagan god of this fem- fem- feminine pa- woman goddess of, of the Arabs used to worship Allah, and that is the same one as Allah, etc, etc. So they would attack the word Allah. Just from a linguistic perspective, they would, the word itself, they hated it so much. So that is why, when we're talking to interfaith and to Christians, to, since they have been taught to hate the word, even Allah, to demystify the term, we would, I would explain to them, look, you know what? You are a Christian or you believe in the Bible. Guess what? If you go in the Christian Bible, in Arabic, the Arabic version of it, because like Lebanon, for example, is a Arabic-speaking country, yes or no? It's majority Christian. There are more Christian percentage in Lebanon than Muslims. It's the only country in the Middle East that Arabic speaking that has a majority Christian population. Muslims are minority. And then within the Muslim minority, they are divided between the Sunnis are more and then the Shia and the uh, I mean the Shia are more than the Sunnis are there. So anyway, so you'll say you take a Bible uh, in his, in, when Jesus is saying in Arabic Bible, what does he say? Inni ibn Allah, I am the son of God. I'm the son of God. He said Ibn Allah. Right? So, uh, he doesn't say Ibn God. So, Allah is the, the, the God, the ultimate supreme being in, in, that, in, in Arabic. So, Allah was used by the mushrikeen. And Allah was used by the, is still used by the Christians. 
it is the term is used so so that breaks it down oh my it's not some pagan goddess it is the allah who that the muslims believe in is the same one that was the G, uh, christians believed in same one the the jews believed in so don't consider it some you know uh, some arab qureshi mushrik th- thing this is the same god just in arabic is known as allah yes Alayhi salam. Yeah. Inshallah. Zakum Allah khairan. Subhanallah. Bihamdihi. Subhanakallah. Ma bihamdika. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa. Anta nastaghfiruka. Wa natubu ilayka.